Hi everyone, Alex here. If you like the content that Jackson, Satchel, and I are putting out, tell all your friends and pass it on via the word of mouth. That's the best way for us to grow. Also, next time you're on I-70, tell your friends to listen to that I-70 show and reach out to us on social media because we love hearing from our listeners. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. Satchel, shot a fireball. Alex, just drink a glass of whiskey. <laughs> Very impressive. I'll be sipping some single malt whiskey over here to keep my energy high. I don't think you got the premise of this opener. This was supposed to, you were supposed to down it. <laughs> it is a Wednesday, my friend. <laughs> It's closer to the weekend than Monday. That's true. We're we're getting there. We're half more than halfway through the week. It is Wednesday, February fifteenth, and welcome back to another episode of that I that I seventy show. show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need the help uh, with the naming, apparently, because I have mistakenly called this show. I 70 things in the past for the listeners who don't know I 70 things is kind of the inspiration for this podcast. I was such a fan of the page. I was like, well, they don't have audio. So why don't, why don't we do something that is uh, along the lines of I 70 things audio, but uh, they do a great job over there. If you're not following I 70 things, go give them a follow as well. I, I was also thinking we could get some of our content from that Instagram page. It'd be kind of, funny just to like check out the Instagram page and kind of react to some of their posts. Um, it could be interesting because there always is some hilarious shit going on on, on that page. <clears throat> but to, to kick things off, I'm going to have Alex give our mountain of the week. <laughs> yeah. So our mountain of the week this week with, uh, with president's day coming up is going to be um, Aspen because it's, far enough away to where we don't think people will go there. Uh, it's also blackout days. So, you know, there's less people skiing them. So if you have the icon full pass, I think base plus or the icon pass, uh, you can ski Aspen this weekend and hopefully avoid some of the crowds. Thanks, Alex. They're also expected to get a fair bit of snow. Looking at the forecast, Aspen mountains are expected to get six over the next 24 hours and 13 over the next 120. So it'll actually be a pretty good uh, powder powder weekend for all of us out there. Like Alex said, the crowds are supposed to be somewhat ridiculous. <clears throat> the heaviest traffic is supposed to come on Friday. That would be the 17th. Not surprising. Um, well, I guess maybe surprising. Are you, are you guys surprised that... Um, Friday sees more traffic than Saturday, Satchel? I guess this is one of those weekends where pretty much every single Airbnb is going to be rented. So um, probably a lot of people coming in from out of town are uh, renting places. So that's why they're going up Friday. Yeah. No, I think that's that's true. This article mentions that these forecasters use the number of bookings in the high country to make projections. And actually, the number of bookings came in right about flat. And to your point, I think it's just because every single Airbnb is booked. So it's it's like it can't even 
that's that statistic is kind of um irrelevant because everything in the mountains is going to be booked this weekend but just to go over those numbers friday typically sees the most traffic on president's day weekend followed by saturday sunday and then monday in 2022 31,816 cars were counted on friday compared to 25,000 on Saturday, 22,000 on Sunday, and 19,000 on Monday. That is going westbound. Um, what do you guys think about those numbers? I actually am kind of surprised. You hear you hear the number 30,000. It doesn't sound like a lot. No, it feels low. <clears throat> um, I feel like when you're on the road and you're stuck in standstill traffic, you feel like there's a million people on I-70, you know? Yeah. But maybe that's too big, but 30,000 definitely feels low. And I wonder what the time frame that they're calculating that between and how are they, how are they determining of the people on I-70 who are going like further through the mountains? Like they're going to go to Grand Junction, Utah, California, whatever, who are stopped, who are driving from like the Denver area to the mountains and, and from what time frame? how do they measure that? That'd be, I'd be kind of curious to know. I would be interested in the number of people per car too, because for whatever reason, I like you would think a lot of people would be carpooling, but I find a lot of the weekends that I'm driving up solo um, just because it's hard to get everyone's timeline to coincide. And we, I usually end up meeting people up in the mountains rather than driving up with them. That's a really good point. And with everyone trying to avoid traffic, maybe, maybe pe- more people end up driving solo because they're like, I'm just going to go when it's convenient for me when they're trying to miss traffic kind of thing. But um, that is the wrong mentality because if more of us carpooled, the issue would be smaller. There'd be less, fewer, there would be fewer cars on the road. Um, But Alex, to answer your question, this article, which I'll link to in the show notes, actually has some information about time of day. It says in general, the best time of day to travel on I-70 is before 10 a.m. and after 6 p.m. That makes sense. You're avoiding the middle of the day. But traffic counts more than doubled between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. on the Friday before the holiday last year, before President's Day, rising from 929 cars on average per hour to more than 2,000. Oh, I, I apologize. From 6 a.m. to 7, 7 a.m., it went from 929 cars to more than 2,000 cars, and it remained around or above 2,000 until 5 p.m. and didn't drop below 1,000 until 9 p.m. So what that tells you is like that was a steady stream of traffic all year last year. For whatever reason, maybe the traffic feels less painful to me on Friday night than it does does when you're going up on Saturday morning. Yeah. So if I was going to drive up to the mountains on Friday, what time should I leave to avoid the traffic? That is a really good question, Alex. In this article... Also, let's let's assume that it doesn't like I can leave as early as I would need to leave or I can leave as late as I need to leave. What would the time what time would be the best? They're they're saying before 6 a.m. or after 9 p.m. So in those fringe day parts, which, you know, we we often drive those those times, but they're super inconvenient. Right. If you want to get up on Friday night and be up in the mountains with for a for a night with your friends, then you can't be leaving at 9 p.m. Otherwise, you get up there too late. I found this season that we have had very good luck leaving from the dyno lots at seven. We haven't hit traffic once. 
And that's like a pretty reasonable time to be leaving on a 7 Friday PM. night. 7 p.m. 7 p.m., yeah. Yep, I, I agree. That's been pretty um, pretty golden. And, yeah, like I said, I find the morning drives to be more painful, probably just because I had to wake up early. But, um, yeah, so it's going to be a shit show out there. In addition to holiday traffic, there's also likely going to be just some weather traffic. We have seen some snow in Denver, in Boulder, across the Front Range this Wednesday. And I believe we could see more into the weekend, a little bit more at least. And then looking all the way up through next week, there is a series of storms expected to last through Friday, February 24th. That was enough enough about the weather and the traffic, I think. Do we want to, Satchel, do you have a, something to share with our crew? I've got a segment locked and loaded. Yes. Um, and the, the premise of this segment is how to be the dopest crew spring skiing in Colorado. Spring, spring skiing is right around the corner. And I've got um, three ideas of how your squad could be the coolest squad. And I'm going to go from least cool to coolest. And even the least cool one is still pretty cool. But um, we're going we're gonna to assume you're skiing at a basin. That's just a given. And uh, my first idea, everyone's wearing an 80s tracksuit of your whole crew. And they don't necessarily have to be matching. You could buy them online. If everyone in the whole crew is wearing a tracksuit, I think that's a really good start. If I was on the chairlift watching a squad ski down, I would be pretty stoked. Okay, taking a step up from there. If you could have like some sort of a kiddie pool apparatus and figure out a way to heat it, and you're sitting on the beach and you got you you got just like several 30s kind of like lined up <laughs> around your kiddie pool, then I think that's like a huge step up even from the jumpsuits. And then my final idea, and this would be like you're this you have the most badass group of friends in all of Colorado. Uh, you finished the day of skiing, you've had a great time, you're on your way down, you're grilling brats in the bed of your truck while you're sitting in traffic. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, those are kind of my my parameters for how you really wow people for spring skiing. You know what's awesome about all of those ideas is that they can be combined. That's true. You could do all three in one day. You could execute all three in a single day. And maybe that's our goal. <laughs> I, I love that Satchel is just such a, a bro tub um, like enthusiast that he wants to have a portable hot tub at the at the beach of A-Bay. You know? <laughs> I, I just don't know how you'd heat it. So like if it weren't really warm out, it could be brutal if you if you haven't figured out the heating aspect of it. <laughs> but if it was really warm that would be awesome yeah and and that's where you get in trouble too like i had this day last year where i was so excited for spring skiing i like texted all my friends i drove out friday night and like slept in my car on the beach to make sure that i would have a spot oh my god because i was so stoked on just like a basin beach springtime and then the next day was just fucking cold and cloudy. And like oh. and we were we were like still trying to have a good time, but it just wasn't the same. 
That's brutal. You took one for the team and you yeah. slept out in the cold. <laughs> was it like, was there indications that it might be warm? Did you check the weather? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Here. Right here, everyone. Actually, that was last year, so we'll, we'll let that one slide. Yeah. <laughs> this year is totally different. <laughs> New guy. Alex, what what do you think about his uh his other ideas? Which one are you most excited about? I love the brats and the bed of the truck idea. I mean, that's um, I'm, I'll never say no to food, and so uh, and that's I feel like what you always want when you're stuck in traffic is something to eat. That would so. certainly get you on i seventy things Instagram page for sure. Go, honestly, that is a promotional stunt that we need to run to <laughs> promote the podcast. <laughs> But uh, I I don't know if that's legal to be like burning something while you drive a motor vehicle. It is absolutely illegal to be in the bed of a truck on the highway cooking a brat. There's no doubt in my mind that you're going to get pulled over. <laughs> well, it is legal. We found this out when we were uh, in Yellowstone for a summer. It is legal to be riding in the bed of a truck. I think oh, there's like a – you're not supposed to be going over 45 if I remember correctly, and that I was in Wyoming. State so. law, though, yeah, Wyoming is different. They they literally put everything in the beds of their trucks in Wyoming. So there are some questions that need to be answered. Are you allowed to ride in the bed of the truck on I-70? Uh, are you allowed to be drinking beers in the bed of the truck? Does that even count as, like, open container? For and then sure. obviously you'd, you would want, like, a, a very solid DD because that's it is dangerous. <laughs> No, you're gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna be going more than five miles an hour the entire way up to the tunnel. So yeah. you have you have like an hour to cook your brats, drink your beer. You could you can literally stop the car, everybody get back into their seat, and you still won't make it to the tunnel before you're done. Well, like, so that's that's the key is to be doing this activity in traffic. But assume let's just assume we do go viral because if this happens, it's going viral. <laughs> I'll just assume right now. <laughs> and and if that happens, you think there's any chance you get in trouble after the fact? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think you get fucking arrested. That's what happens. We should do some due diligence. I think we might have to tape over the temporarily tape over the license. <laughs> Dude. You're gonna tag. You're gonna tag. We'll end up getting tagged in the video, and then the cops will be like, "Oh, I wonder who this is." <laughs> Click on the fucking tag, and then boom, you have like a warrant for your arrest or a subpoena or some shit. Like, it's you're for sure gonna get in trouble. <laughs> I think so. Maybe we, maybe it needs to be a little more staged. Maybe we take the real beers and the real brats out of it, but we pretend to be grilling in the bed of the truck. No, don't <laughs> do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that helps anything at all. I feel, I feel like you would get, you could get away with it without the beers. You could, you could grill the brats in the bed of the truck, but without, but not, and get away with it as long as you don't violate the open container. I, feel I like think that's, that's a good compromise. The, but I feel like that's probably you, the line you cross. You're not in a car, right? Right. <laughs> That's that's my only thing where it's like, does open containers still apply? We need a lot. Well, I don't think you can walk <laughs> legal down the counsel. With, a, with an open beer, can you? No. 
You can't. Not in public. Yeah. I think I think we draw the line at the open beer. Yeah, but, uh, no beer. Scott needs to con- consult some some officers about this plan first. <laughs> we'll we'll consult with the uh, with the legal team and we'll get back to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. We're gonna we're gonna have to make that happen. So keep an eye on our Instagram for for some springtime grilling. Um, the other, uh, you know, along those same lines of making your crew stand out, there was another interesting article in Summit Daily uh, this week, and the headline is, Ski clubs aren't as hip as they used to be, but they are key to diversifying Colorado slopes. So I want to take this in a slightly different angle. It is an interest. It's a it's a short, interesting read, but my question is... What were what were these ski clubs all about? I, th- I feel like we need more information about these ski clubs, and if they're not as popular now, why did they die out, and could they come back? So, th- this could th- I'm classifying this as our pitchers and pitches of the week because I'd like to think about it a little bit. Um, but apparently, these clubs were a huge deal in the '70s, '80s, and '90s, and this article says that they would provide discounted trips, lift tickets, gear, and transportation, and why I guess a little bit of why it's died off is because the industry now focuses on discounted season passes as a way to increase participation. And so the clubs have lost their economic allure. But I think, to me, I still think there's an opportunity there. Like, how cool would it be if you were like, oh, I'm part of a ski club. Any given week, there are people driving up who are willing to give um, carpools. There are maybe some... Ticket perks, you'd have to get your club integrated with some of the resorts. And maybe there's some like gear or events. Maybe there's a whole brat grilling club <laughs> where you, you grill brats every single time you drive to the mountains. My, my point is, is that um, I think this is kind of a cool idea and I'm kind of bummed out that there's not, um, you know, these ski, ide- these ski clubs that still exist today, at least that I know of. Well, one ski club that I can think of was is the Alpine Club at DU, um, and That's so cool. I mean, did you take advantage? I mean, I, I don't think I took advantage of the Alpine Club quite like some kids did. I think I did more my freshman year, but did you take advantage of those trips? That I mean, they would plan something almost every week. Yeah, yeah, I, I took advantage of a few of those. I went on some mountain biking trips, etc. But um, now that we're out of college is more what I'm getting at. You're right. There's there's a lot of the college ones and they definitely get discounts and economic incentives. Um, one thing that was that is interesting that this article mentions is that, Alex, just like what you just pointed out, co- colleges and young people seem to make up the majority of those ski clubs. Well, it would be nice. Like if you think about it, when we go from an economic standpoint, when we go skiing somewhere or if we go somewhere – and we're staying the night, we try to pack an Airbnb with as many people as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you had a club where it was like, hey, 20 people are going to be going to Aspen this weekend, we have like the ski club finds the house, you pitch like the 50 bucks or whatever for your Airbnb, maybe 20 bucks for like food and booze, and then boom, like you're in for 70 bucks and you have a, a weekend in Aspen, like that'd be pretty sweet, right? Yeah. Um, so I can see the, I can see the appeal for sure. I love that idea. Maybe they're. I mean, honestly, we could uh, we could start one. That could be our our next um, offshoot of this that I seventy show uh, ski group. <laughs> one other part of this article that they talk about is 
increasing diversity and I don't want to pass up pass over this either. They're saying that 89% of skiers identify as white, which not surprising. It is not a very, very diverse group of people. 5.7 is Asian, 5.5 is Latino, and 1.5 is black. And they haven't shifted up that much in the last decade. One thing I've noticed at Vail is they've been really promoting the National Brotherhood of Skiers, which is a great way to attract um, more diverse skiers and, and riders. So I, I think there's also like other benefits to starting these ski groups that even beyond just like making it, you know, more economic um, for us. The, also, the the ski corporations want to promote this as well. Last thing I'll mention is that the article says they say that Gen Z, defined as people 25 or younger, makes up 35 percent of all ski visitation in Colorado in um and they made up 60.7 million visits in 2021-2022. So that's that's pretty interesting. I, I I thought that stat was interesting that it's just like 35% of everyone ski visiting the ski resorts is our age or younger. Well, well Jackson actually you, this this conversation reminds me of something that uh I don't know if I would necessarily call this a club, but it was something that I thought was interesting. Do you remember uh, the link that Hunter sent us a week ago or maybe two weeks ago to the hostel hotel in, um, I think it was in Winter Park, but it was it was Gravity House or Gravity, oh, yeah. like it's spelled H-A-U-S. Um, and so I, I looked into it actually, and it's it seems like it's the easiest way for me to describe it is like if you were someone who works remote or travels a lot, it's like a floating lifetime fitness membership but for the outdoor like skier person where or skier or mountain biker whatever it might be right so like you can pay to have a membership to have access to like hotels or like these hostels which actually look like very nice hotel rooms with working space like co-working space or private office space in like aspen winter park vale breckenridge uh california costa rica like they're all over the place and you can also you can get like up to 50 percent off uh, hotel rooms for like st for stays you can get ski rental gear so like if you went to Cal uh, California and you didn't want to like bring your skis with you you can rent premium ski gear through this like this like company or this like grab through gravity house it seems like and so um I honestly I meant to like talk I like su submitted my email to get more information and I meant to talk to this guy about it but it seemed like a pretty cool uh, program where it's like it's like a gym membership and you can actually use gyms but it's it's like a gym membership for like a very outdoorsy on the go kind of person and so i was curious what your guys's thoughts might be on something like that like would you be would you be interested in that or is that something that you know is like not something that we would actually take advantage of i think it sounds really cool i think the main benefit is that you can kind of live wherever you want without being locked into a lease which is like kind of one of the main reasons that I don't move around very much because I've signed a lease, but I love the premise of just being able to bounce around from ski town to ski town and live around people the same age with the same interests. I don't think it would be sustainable as a, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but it wouldn't be sustainable as like a long-term housing solution more as like a, I have weekends free. I can, be flying to California or Costa Rica 
or staying in yeah. Aspen for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. It's more it's more like I don't have I'm I might have a lease or I might have like like I might live in a van or something. I don't know. But it's it's more like I don't have a nine to five that I have to be in the office for every week or I set my own schedule and I can take a week off and just go wherever I want. And so it's access to like, I'm just going to say, fuck it this week. And I'm going to drive to Aspen and I'm going to stay in this place for 50% off for four nights or whatever. And then I'll drive back. What but does 50% like, off look like if you're for one of these rooms? Do you know? I can try to find out. I've heard of programs like that, not specific to skiing, but you just spend like a couple months in cities that people want to be in and you move around after you're in whatever spot for two months for people that are purely remote. I like that. That's cool. Um, Well, while Alex looks into that, I wanted to let our listeners know that Loveland Snowcat is open for the season. So if you didn't know, Loveland has a free snowcat. You can get tickets for before your day of skiing at the ticket office. Just ask them about the, the free snowcat. I think they only let a, a limited number of people on every week or, or, or every day, and they drive you up the ridge and get you to some more remote areas where the snow is generally less disrupted. So almost guaranteed powder skiing for free at Loveland. I love Loveland. I, I think we should be skiing them more often. Um, and I know some of our listeners ski at Loveland as well. So shout out to Loveland for being one of the last remaining independent resorts that really does it right, in my opinion. And you get the benefit of it being close to Denver, even close, you know, closer than anywhere, essentially. Alex, how's that uh, pricing coming? Well, so holy shit. So I pulled up like one, the the room. So it's a, a single room, like with a, you know, single room bathroom, um, in Vail. And so it says, um, it's a king bed with gas fireplace, soft linens, a luxury robe and spa slippers. So it's all right up Satchel's alley. (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, in March it's averaging like $800 a night, $920 a night. Um, so you take 50% off that, I think. And I'm not totally sure. Like, again, I, uh, this is kind of a it's kind of a best guess off of the website, but yeah. Um, I think so, we looking at Gravity House like a week ago, and we were seeing rates much better than that. Maybe there's shared rooms. I maybe think- there's yeah, that might have just been like a one room, like and that was in Vail, and and so yeah. I don't know, maybe it's a little more expensive than Vail, but yeah. So I mean, you'd be paying, you know, like two hundred and twenty bucks a month. Um, for unlimited access to 50% off hotel savings in Winter Park, Breck, Vale, Tahoe, Steamboat, um, Truckee, uh, Truckee, ta- and Taco, Tahoe, sorry. And then you also have unlimited access to fitness centers, um, community like experiences, so like work co working spaces, um, any travel partners within the like within the gravity house chain and then the house quiver, which is like an unlimited uh, gear subscription that where you can bet, where you can rent, um, you know, equip like ski equipment, snowboard equipment, and you know, uh, bikes, camping gear and, and other stuff. So it seems cool. like a pretty decent, you know, 
was is the ski equipment free or is there added charge on top of that? It it feels a little bougie for our uh, demographic, but um, it, it really does. Yeah, I don't honestly it doesn't say. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure, but it makes me th- think that it's free. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you uh, reached out about it. Well, once they um, email us back, we can talk about it some more and hopefully have a little more insight on it. I I've heard of Gravity House. I remember a pro skier promoting it at one point, and I, I remember thinking, oh, that's a little bit bougie for my taste, but um, who knows? Maybe there's uh, some of our listeners who that's that's right what, right what they're looking for. So um, thanks for sharing that. I think that is all I have for the week. Do you guys have any um, departing messages for our crew here? Where are we planning to go out this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> should, we go, should we go back to Brooklyn's? I feel like I, I made some money there last weekend. <laughs> or two weekends ago. Yeah, we, we could be out in Breckenridge. I bet I bet more likely than anything we are out in Silverthorne this weekend since that's where we are staying. Um, we'll probably – there's some fun spots in, in Silverthorne. My personal favorite restaurant, Sauce on the Blue, delicious Italian food. That's just one shout-out. I don't really know – what other bars are fun there? The Snake River, I believe, is one bar that's fun. But um, that will be ne- we'll save that for next week. Our uh, bar reviews of Silverthorne and maybe Keystone, but it should be a good President's Day. Is Snake River the bar that we went to where it's like half a very fancy restaurant, half a like what looks like a dive bar? It is. Yeah. We should do that again for sure. That place looks like fun, or it's that place cool. was fun. Yeah, that was a fun spot. And uh, I want to shout out our guest for next week. She's our most elusive guest we've ever had. Um, trying to get her on this podcast is like trying to capture a snow leopard in the Arctic <laughs> with a butterfly net. But um, <laughs> she's, she's coming on next week, and now that I've made this announcement, she has to. So that's something to look forward to. I love that shout out. She really is elusive. She was sick this week. She was supposed to come on this week. She was a sick snow leopard. And when a snow leopard is sick, it's impossible to find. <laughs> Little known fact. But next week, she will hopefully be recovered and sitting here with us. We're super excited to have her. She has a ton of industry knowledge. And she's also a ski instructor with us. She has grown up skiing diva for most of her life we are going to save the surprise for next weekend we are so excited i think that is all for this evening we hope that you guys have safe travels up to wherever you're going skiing this weekend hopefully the traffic isn't too bad follow our advice drive on those fringe hours if you can and pray for snow y'all see you next week